Welcome to the Asbury First United Methodist Church Weekly Sermon. We hope you enjoyed this message by Stephen Cady. For more information about this podcast or other ways to connect, please visit asburyfirst.org. What in your life has changed you? In every life, of course, there are those moments so potent, so powerful, so purposeful that after we experience them, we change. We are changed. For better or worse, we are different coming out of those moments than we were going in. Consider your own life. If you had to put your life out on a timeline, all of the points and pieces of your life, where would be the moment of shift? You know, that moment, that before and after kind of moment, that moment after which you went on a slightly new trajectory. We all have them, don't we? Moments that change the way we think or believe or live. Sometimes they're fairly obvious, meeting our partner, having a child, getting that diagnosis, missing that red light. Other times, though, it's not. No, one of the strange mysteries of life is that something can change our lives and seem to have seemingly no effect on the people around us, and yet our life is never the same. When I was 16 years old, the Kansas East Annual Conference of the United Methodist Church sponsored a youth trip to Israel. And after months of fundraising, and with the promise of a spaghetti dinner to share with everyone my experience when I returned, my home congregation sent me along my first time leaving the country. Now, if I'm honest, I'm not sure I really appreciated everything that I experienced on that trip, meeting with Palestinians and Israelis, working on a kibbutz, touring those historic sites. Truth be told, most of the time I had no idea what I was looking at. But I will never to my dying day forget the moment that we renewed our baptism in the Jordan River, surrounded by pilgrims from around the world, especially the moment afterward when I, sitting by myself on the banks of that historic river, watching the water flow gently by, felt those first stirrings of a call to ministry. To be clear, there was no burning bush or voice from above. I've never had that. Maybe you have. No, instead, it was just an overwhelming sense of the Spirit's work in my life and a personal commitment that whatever I did from that point on, would be my ministry.
I didn't think it would be ordained ministry in the church as a minister who wants to work on Sundays. But I knew that my life from that moment would be changed. And when I got back to the bus and eventually back home, I wanted to share it. That's the thing about those kind of life-changing, those before and after moments in our lives. They're meant to be shared. That's some of the way we come to understand them. We can experience something, but we need someone else, someone we trust, someone we love to affirm it for us, to help us understand whether it really happened. In the end, friends, good news is meant to be shared. Our story for today is about another call to ministry that took place on the banks of the Jordan River, though admittedly a few years before my own. It comes from the gospel according to John, which some will know is the last gospel written, 70 or 80 years after Jesus. That is, enough time for those early Christians to really mess some things up and need a bit of course correction. Some of us have been there. And this story from the gospel of John involves a man named John, a Baptist, or the Baptist. And when we join him today, he is telling the Levite priests who have gathered around that he is not the droid they're looking for, that he is not the Messiah, that he's not a prophet, but he instead is telling them about this experience he's just had of Jesus, this moment where he saw Jesus go into the waters of baptism and watched the Spirit descend upon him and never leave. And as he's describing to them this moment, Jesus walks by, speak of the Savior, and he appears. Now, Jesus, throughout John's gospel, and especially in this passage, likes to walk by. Where he's going, we don't really know. This is the first chance we've had to glimpse Jesus in John's gospel, and he's just walking by right at the right moment. From a literary perspective, of course, John's gospel, the evangelist is trying to communicate to his readers an opportunity here. He's trying to introduce them to Jesus before Jesus shows up and introduces himself. He's offering an opportunity to point out Jesus. From a story perspective, John the Baptist is saying to those Levite priests, and one day later, to two of his disciples, look, here is the Lamb of God. He's pointing to them and saying, look, here is the Lamb of God. He's pointing out Jesus. It's such a simple thing, an introduction, and yet we know from our own experience how hard it sometimes is. Maybe somebody came in this morning longing for an introduction and didn't receive one. Maybe you did. We know from our own experience how awkward it is when we don't know someone when no one introduces us, when we're standing there waiting awkwardly for someone to say hello. And we also know how important it is to do the introducing. It's one way we show honor to people around us. It's one way we express our love by standing by them, by telling people their name, by showing them to the people we also want them to know. John the Baptist had had some experience of Jesus, some before and after kind of moment, and he wanted to share it. He seemed to understand intrinsically what some of us are still struggling to figure out. That good news is meant to be shared. 
But if we've had a positive experience, especially of Jesus, then we ought to share it, only we are a little uncomfortable with that, aren't we? Sure, we like Jesus, at least the Jesus we have come to know, but we don't really want to share Jesus with other people. After all, we don't want to be one of those kind of Christians. We know the kind we're talking about, don't we? We don't want to be one of those. And yet in our silence, the world is not silence. See, nature abhors a vacuum and pretty quickly other voices start to take over, don't they? Think about the loudest voices of so-called faith that are out there right now. Are they the ones talking about an inclusive Jesus? Are they the ones who are talking about a Jesus that is tearing down those systems and structures of white supremacy? Are they talking about that Jesus that is opening his arms to our LGBTQ siblings? If not, then perhaps we know what we ought to be doing. That is, making an introduction. Will the real Jesus Christ please stand up? Because if we don't, who will? It's not like the world is silent. Everybody is out there talking about who Jesus is, but it seems like over and over again it is too often Jesus that is painted with a white nationalist brush. It is too often a Jesus that tears down and not builds off. It is too often a Jesus that is distorted and manipulated into something we know down deep in our hearts that he is not. And so we owe it to this world to speak truth that if we have come to know Jesus, then we ought to introduce him to others. We have examples. We remember one this weekend, don't we? The Reverend Martin Luther, Martin Luther, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. also had an experience of Jesus, of the living Christ in his life. And he decided to share it. He recognized something intrinsically about his experience that needed to change based upon his understanding of the gospel. That beloved community that he talked about, where did that come from? It was the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, that world that Christ proclaimed in which we all love God and love our neighbor as ourselves. The dream that he came to share, the dream that he shared was an echo of the gospel itself. Make no mistake, friends, it was because of his faith that Martin Luther King Jr. recognized the sin of white supremacy. It was because of his faith that he understood that injustice anywhere was a threat to justice everywhere. It was because of his faith that he longed for that day when justice shall roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. That's from Amos, in case you're wondering. It was because of his faith that he shared his dream and in so doing changed the world. Not that it's complete. It won't be until that dream that he shared until the kingdom of God arrives. But he made a difference in the time that he had. Maybe we could too. What would it look like to invite people to join us in this mission to change the world. And if that feels too big, how about just inviting someone to church? Look, if this is meaningful to us in any way, if you haven't been dragged here against your will this morning, maybe you ought to share it with someone else. Someone else who's also longing for a little change in their life, who's also longing for something to be different. You never know what difference that could make. 
We have no, in our story, we know nothing about whether the Levite priests actually reacted to the introduction to Jesus, but we do know that one day later, two of John's disciples begin to follow Jesus, in this case, literally. One of those disciples is Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, but the other is unknown. They both begin to follow Jesus, and luckily Jesus recognizes he has a tail. And at some point he turns around and he says the first thing he says in the entirety of the Gospel of John. What are you looking for? Maybe we recognize the question. Some ways it's the one we asked coming here today, right? What are you looking for? What are you looking for? What are you looking for? What did you seek when you came here this morning? Surely it was something. There are plenty of other ways to spend a Sunday morning getting ready for the Bills game or cleaning your closet or doing any number of things. You, if you've tuned in or tuned out yet, the idea is that there's something here that was worth sharing, isn't it? That's why we gather week after week because we recognize that we need something that is here. And the good news is we do have it, not that we are perfect. We're not, as we say over and over again, we're not perfect, but we recognize we're more perfect together than we are apart. We're here to keep pointing each other in the direction of Christ, to keep pointing each other in the direction of life and hoping that God will take it from there. Our job is to keep turning in the right direction, to remind this broken world that we don't have to think the same way, to face in the same direction, to keep pointing each other towards the one who can show us what life really looks like. Look, here is the Lamb of God. But it's hard to do, isn't it? In our story, those two disciples respond to Jesus. He says, what are you looking for? And they say, where are you staying? That is, we want to be where you are. Wherever it is you are, we want to be there. And Jesus invites them to come and see. But before they go, he goes, they, Andrew runs to get his brother, Simon Peter, and he says, come on, we found the Messiah. And Peter comes to Jesus, and in that moment, Simon Peter is changed, not just in name, but in heart. And the good news, friends, is that we can be too. Look, this is different than the other Gospels. Remember the other Gospels? They are out fishing, and Jesus calls to them, Come, I'll make you fish for people. Here, they have to take the first step. Here, they're the ones who have to turn towards Jesus. He's not calling them. He has to, they have to go. It's not passive, but active. It is different, isn't it? And yet in it, there is something we might learn. Maybe John, as he's writing 80 or so years after Jesus, recognizes what becomes of Christians who are just sitting around waiting for someone to call. And we don't end up going anywhere. And so instead, he is encouraging us to take the first step and trust that God will be there to meet us. There's something hopeful about that, isn't it? That Christ is there walking back and forth, just ready for an introduction, ready for us to meet him where he is so that we can then find our way forward. That, of course, is the hope. But it's going to look differently for each of us. 
Maybe there are some out there today who, as you're picturing yourself sitting there on the banks of the Jordan River, watching the water flow gently by, are also starting to feel that first stirrings of a call to ministry. Sure, you have to work Sundays, but there are good things about it as well. Feel free to see me after. But make no mistake, friends, it doesn't have to be formal to be a call. And in some ways, all of us have a call to ministry, one that was given to us at our baptism. All of us have this call that has been placed on our lives to share the good news that has been shared with us, to share the promise of life that is out there. Not that we have to be under the illusion or delusion that we have it all figured out. We don't, but we do have something worth sharing. That's why we come week after week, isn't it? Why not share it? Good news is meant to be shared. And while Jesus will keep walking back and forth until we do, that is, the grace of God is there whether we share it or not. What a difference this world could be, how different the world could be if we were willing to share it. If we long for a better world, then maybe we can take that first step towards it. Fortunately, we have those examples. Today and tomorrow, we recognize and remember a man who had a call on his life and who believed in the possibility for change. Only as he reminded us Change does not roll in on the wheels of inevitability, but it comes through continuous struggle. And so we must straighten our backs and work for our freedom. Friends, what in your life has changed you? Why not share it with others? May it be so. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Asbury First Weekly Sermon. If you enjoyed this message, please visit asburyfirst.org and learn more about our mission to love God and neighbor, live fully, serve all, repeat.